Thank you so much. That was wonderful. No, I'm good. Thank you. Okay. I'll switch that off. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much, uh, Dave and Lynn. You were brilliant. And uh, I was waiting for kind of the comedy duo and all sorts of traditional comedy duos were coming to my mind. But you weren't like Abbott and Costello. That's what I was... How many of you remember Abbott and Costello? If you can lift your arms because you are so old. <laughs> yes. These, it's just... It's useless information for so many in the room, and, and you really missed out. They were brilliant. Um, welcome to the South, and thank you so much, Dave and Lynn. That was great. Just before I get jump into, uh, into the Word, I just want to introduce, and they don't actually know I'm going to do this, but I want to introduce you to a couple of leaders that we have uh, who look after the, um, the young adult community groups. So is Amber, Jackie, and Jason in the room? I know you're on computer, Jason. Do you, do you need to stay there? <laughs> Come on up. He'll be fine. Amber, and I know Amber is, um, is my daughter, and, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to be in trouble later. But the reason I'm asking them to come up is because I'm just so proud of these three. They're actually um, assisting Pete and Tracy in leadership of the young adult community group that we have. And I was thinking and praying about this group this morning, and one of the things they've been doing that I kind of want them to, we want, I want to pray for them for is that they meet in the bean scene downtown, and that was a decision they made uh, strategically because they're hoping, and it has happened most weeks from what I can tell, um, that people would uh, that people just go to the bean scene. It's right down the center of town, so they've been meeting all sorts of different people, and uh, they get to pray with them and, and, and read the Bible with them and, and do some really cool things. So it's not only our community groups have got kind of four components that make a healthy community group. It's Bible study and prayer is the first one. Uh, mission is the second one. And, and really, I just love the way they're combining because they unapologetically meet in the bean scene, study the Bible, pray. And, uh, and I just think that's wonderful. The f- third one is community, and they enjoy doing that. And, and then the fourth one is replication, is that we want to see more and more community groups happen. So I just wanted to thank you guys for doing it. I do thank this one quite regularly. Um, but I, I just thought it would be good for us to pray for them because they really are on mission there. And, and the young adults and the college and career kind of age in our city, there's a lot of them, and they desperately need to know Jesus. Amen? So um, why don't a few of you come up and we want to pray for you. Maybe, John, you could pr- lead us in some prayer. And if you just feel, come on, let's, let's get a crowd around them and, uh, and thank God for them. Bless them. There you go. Thank you, John. Hello, there we are. (laughs) Okay, good. Lord Jesus Christ, we just thank you, Father, for the privilege of being here today, Lord, with these ambassadors of yours, Father, Mm. who represent you, Father, with a passion, Father, in our community. We remember we don't have to look far to see a broken world, Father, that is still suffering under the burden of sin. Mm. And, Father, the hope that these young people bring Father, in a dark world, we will not underestimate that. Mm. And we thank you for that, Father. Lord, we pray that you protect them. Mm. And Father, all who are with them and give their yes to serve in this capacity, Father, that you would be with them. And that your Holy Spirit would go ahead of them each week as they meet, Lord, at the bean scene. And Father, for people whom they don't even know yet that cross their path, Lord, that they would meet Jesus Christ. And the truth of your gospel, Lord, 
and that many would be saved. Mm. And that where darkness exists, Lord, light would come and hope would come and mm. life would come in you, Jesus. So mm. bless them, protect them, guard their path in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, John. Let's give them a round of applause and encourage them. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you, then please turn to Exodus chapter 20, or you can turn on your mobile devices, and you can also follow along on version. and hopefully you have some Bible notes in your hand that the wonderful greeting welcome team gave to you as you came in. Um, I'm going to read just one verse this morning from Exodus chapter 20, and it's verse 12. It says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that your Lord, your God, is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. You know, we've been journeying through the Ten Commandments, and so today we land on the Fifth Commandment. And as I've said each week, they are in order of importance. It's very interesting the way that they've been structured. The first four of the Ten Commandments are referring to the way that we should worship God, how we should consider God, and, and we should make priority to Him. We should not imagine, make graven images, and think badly or wrongly about him, and, uh, and then we move to taking his name in vain, and then last week, how we should rest. All those are connected to our relationship with God, and can I just say, from the feedback that I've received this week from the message last week, I would encourage you, if you've not listened to the message from last week, that you dig that out on the podcast or online and give that a listen. Um, it was a, I, I think I, I didn't predict this, but I think it was an impactful uh, word, not by the way necessarily I preached it, but the word of God uh, that came through, I would encourage you to listen to that. If you're feeling stressed or you feel like there is outer chaos and inner chaos, then, uh, then put some time aside maybe on the way to work and on the way back to work one morning and listen to that message uh, while you're driving. Today, we come to honor your father and mother. This is a troubling command. Um, Because if I asked you just to take a few seconds to close your eyes and think about your father and your mother, then the complexity of this message becomes abundantly clear very quickly. Because some of you have had absolutely amazing experiences with your mom and dad. Some of you are young enough to still be considering your experience with your mom and dad. Some of you are old enough that maybe mom or dad has passed away or that you can reflect back on your childhood and uh, you've got good memories. You've got great memories. There are many in this room that cannot say that. There are many people in this room who even the thought of mom or dad makes you feel anxious and upset, and it's not something that you want to consider or think about. And yet the command is incredibly clear. It's simple, it's precise, and it's troubling. It's troubling for those in the room who are challenged with the idea of how to honor your mother and father. And and again, we can refer and think, well, it must be much easier in Moses' time Um, to honor the mother and father. Can I say that if even a cursory glance at the Old Testament would show you that it was filled with families who were dysfunctional, complex, difficult, challenged. I mean, to the nth degree, 
It's unbelievable how God in his grace would actually use some of the people and their family situations. And, and basically what I'm saying is this. If you think your family situation was bad, read the Old Testament. It was rough. And so God knows this and is still saying, you honor your father and your mother. So who is this sermon for? It's for each and every one of us. For those of you who intend to be parents and be married one day. For those of you who are still at home and you are young and you are struggling with the idea of how to honor your father and mother because they drive you insane. For those of us who have uh, long since left home and are now married with our own children, what's the relationship between our children like? What's our relationship like with our mother and father? For those of you who are grandparents... This message is applicable to you as you consider and, and think and how you can support your family and give leadership to your family. Families, when they go wrong, can be the root of long-lasting bitterness and hurt. Some of you, and you need to be very, very grateful to God for this, do not feel that way. And yet, there are ways in which we should be very conscious of how we honor our parents See, God gives a brilliant example of how we should be parents. You, you read the Bible and you'll see a God there who is good and faithful and loving and caring and affectionate and merciful and patient and good and, and is just there all the time and available. And, and then he says to us, okay, this is how family should be. Go and be an example to that. Go and be an example of me. So as parents, go and be an example of this to your children. See, God intended families to be powerfully good, a place of belonging, a place of trust, and a place of learning and and loving and growing and thriving. And yet that is not our experience oftentimes. Some of you, even just the mere mention of your father, creates a, a, a rising of emotions that, depending on the situation, can take days, weeks, that you just can't even think about him without getting bitter and angry. How do you honor a person like that? Because God doesn't say, hey, honor your father and mother if they were a good example of me. He doesn't say that. He says, honor your father and mother, period. That's it. See, the Ten Commandments are a summary of everything as human beings, how we ought to be, how we should be living. It's, if you remember, I said it's, the Ten Commandments are not the destination in and of themselves. It's how we get to be more like God, how we actually live out the design that God created us in, in the Imago Dei, in, the, in His image. This is how we to live. And these Ten Commandments point the way as how we do that. And He says, look, if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to live God's design, if you want to find purpose in life, if you want to live, this verse says, a long life, honor your father and mother. I found this message challenging because it convicted me personally as to how I honor my mom and dad. And yet encouraging because I realized that in Christ, we can all do that. We can all do that. So the first thing that I want to look at is, is we're going to talk about some family dynamics. We're going to talk about some parenting issues. And, and we're, going to, we're just going to very simply break apart this command. And, and the first thing that we are going to look at is that we must place honor first. Place honor first. Number one, placing honor first. 
You see, notice it doesn't say, and all the young people in the room will go heartily, amen, inside very quietly. It doesn't say, obey your father and mother. Parents, stay with me, all right? It doesn't say, trust your father and mother. It doesn't say, admire your father and mother. It doesn't even say, love your father and mother, although in the New Testament there's a clear command that we should love our parents and love all people. So here's what I want to break apart. I want to make it very clear because often this command is used as somewhat of a baseball bat by parents to say, hey, look, the Bible says you ought to obey me. And you know what? It does. Sorry, kids. We're going to read it in Ephesians 6 now, just in case you think I'm making this up. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through to 3, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. Verse 2, Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So there is a clear mandate for obedience and honor. But how do they work together? Because if you're a 45-year-old guy living in your own family and you are still seeking ways to obey your mom and dad in every possible way, there's probably a sign of some dysfunction there. So how does it work? Well, the first thing you need to know is that the relationship between a parent and a child changes. You see, it says honor because honor is a standard that works all the way through our relationship. You see, when, when you're, it includes obedience when you're a child. See, while children are still growing up and learning to thrive, there's a complete and total dependence for when they were very, very small. And we got some beautiful newborn babies in this congregation, and they're just completely dependent on mom and dad. And then as they grow up, the Bible says that there should be obedience, total obedience. Children, obey your parents. This is referring to young children, people who have not yet left the home. Children always strain, and I thought about what word to use, and I was actually thinking about when you walk a dog. Uh, forgive me, just it's not a nice analogy because there's no leashes, I hope, involved in your parenting techniques. Otherwise, we really do need a coffee. But you know, you know how a dog can sometimes strain on the leash, and you're constantly holding it back. Sometimes it feels like that with children. They're straining towards independence. From when they are born, they are straining towards independence. It's it's the way that they have been wired. And yet the Bible says that we're to have obedience. Those of you who are parents, you know this word obedience is a wonderful and beautiful dream that we all have. Especially when they're very small. Well, they're very little, you know, and, and thankfully we're past this stage now. I have four children and the youngest is nine. We don't have this issue, but that, that kind of, I remember when we used to go to bed when the children were very small. It used to be that we could turn to one another and say, well, good night, babe. Good night. Sleep well. Oh, I will. This is pre-children. Have a good dream. Oh, I will. As soon as you get children, it's more like, good night, good night, good luck. Yeah, you too. If you actually get a full night's sleep, you know, remember the time when putting a child to bed is more like a hostage 
situation, but in reverse, where you're, you're kind of negotiating with them to stay in the room, that we'll do anything, just stay in your crib, just stay there. And then I remember with Zoe in particular, because Zoe was just that, she was that challenging kid. Uh, I don't know if Mark and Renee are in the room, but they sent me a brilliant picture this week that made me laugh so hard of just, we had that same situation, you know, where you're, you're training your child to go to bed and they're just yelling at you, like when they're about 11 or 12. No, when they're, when they're like two. And I remember with Zoe, she stood on the end of her crib and she screamed. And I sat at the top of the stairs. She could see me out of her room on the top of the stairs. I would sit there with a book, just like you guys. And she would yell at me for an hour and 20 minutes. I sat there. I am not exaggerating. She screamed and screamed and screamed and then collapsed. And I remember... She was just there. She used to sleep and all curled up. And I remember being asleep but still doing this. (laughs) Oh, I felt great. (laughs) Next night was an hour. Next night, 45 minutes. Next night, 20 minutes. There is hope, Mark and Renee. (laughs) Next night, it just got better and better. Children strain towards independence. Parents. Parenting is teaching children to become independent and thrive. If you want a definition of parenting, I've been a parent for half my life now. (laughs) If you want a definition of parenting, I think it is training them to independence and thrive in God. Thrive emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychologically, thrive. That is our job, that you are given this child to teach them how to be independent. But then children, listen, independence means that parents, we should be training them to thrive steadily and appropriately at the right time. So as they're straining, you kind of let in the, the, the leash off a little bit. And over the years, as their dependence uh, decreases, then their increase of decision increases. And so as they get older, they'll still be feeling we're not independent enough. We're not independent enough. But all the time, if they look back, you're more independent than you were last year. You're more independent than you were the year before. And so there's this steady releasing towards independence. Because if we allowed our children just to do whatever they want, whenever they want, they will die. Won't they? I remember grabbing a child before they go running off into the middle of the road. We don't just sit down and discuss and hope that they agree. You stand there and you teach your child to be independent and thrive by living long. And it doesn't stop as teenagers. Very seriously, we have an enemy that his sole ambition is to kill, steal, and destroy your kids. You can look in the Bible where whole generations of children are trying to be wiped out. And it's happening today. It's happening with the unborn children. It's happening with our young children. It's happening with our teenagers. And it's subtle, but it's insidious and it's continual. And one of the most effective ways that the Satan will seek to destroy your child is the slow drip of evil into their lives that's almost... Imperceptible. Is that such a word? Imperceptible. Imperceptible. Am I good? Okay, good. I just looked to my wife. She's the English major at university. It's the, it's the things that appear good. 
the opportunities that appear good, the opportunities that seem exciting, and slowly they get drawn away. And the ultimate would be that they have no connection at all with their parent. They are independent. And they're involved in things and involved in lifestyles that ultimately will kill them, if not physically, certainly spiritually. And I've said it before, there have been a number of times in my career, especially working with young people a lot, where you can just look at a child and you see that their light has gone off. Godly parents will know when and how to draw you, their children, to independence. Then we leave our parents, hopefully when we are grown up, but not always. And the Bible says that, that a child will leave his mom and his dad and, or, or her mom and dad and they will go and get married. That's the ideal, that there's just a movement from one family into another. That's the ideal. And I know that that doesn't happen in culture. And I'm not saying that it's wrong the way that culture does it. But ideally, you leave home as a child when you are grown up, independent, knowing how to at least thrive in a way that they are doing things right because it's the right thing to do, not just because mom and dad says it's right. You are raised up. Dependence, though, is not always good either, is it? If you're 35 years old, still living in your mum's basement, sleeping in Star Wars, quilt covers, gaming all night, trying to beat some grandma in the Philippines at Call of Duty and complaining that the government is doing its job wrong, I'm not sure whether that's right either. So there's this balance. So when is a child grown up? Depends on the child. How many of you have met 30-year-old guys who haven't grown up yet? You know, so it's really, it's not a science. It really depends on the child. It depends on the parenting. It's a very, very difficult process to work through. Which is why God says honor. So obedience changes as you grow up. Independence changes as you grow up. Parenting style changes as you grow up. We have a 20-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old son. If you ever wanted to look at two diametrically different parenting techniques, that's it. Hours and hours and hours spent sitting, sometimes crying with your kids, asking for their forgiveness, telling them what is right, telling them what is wrong. It's hard work being a parent. But this honoring of our parents and kids, as you get older, if you honor your mom and dad, there's this, there's this standard that follows you all through your life, regardless of your age. So honoring isn't just obedience. Obedience is when you are younger, before you've left home. But then it's interesting, even as you do get older, there are forms of obedience in the honor system as well. There might be agreed traditions that you have as a family, maybe asking your mom and dad for family gathering, asking your mom and dad's blessing for, for a marriage. These, these things are ways that we can be obedient and honoring to our parents regardless of our age. What's interesting about honor is that conscience always reminds you to honor I cannot escape, in a good way, my mum and dad. They're there because they're part of me. And my, my, my call to honor them is always there. Another reason why it says honor rather than love, or admire, I should say, or obey, is because it's hard, if not impossible, to admire and be affectionate towards some parents. 
Some parents are good people and some have been evil. So it's hard to be affectionate towards a parent who's been evil to you. But the Bible says you're still to honor them. See, honor remains and is independent of what kind of person they are. There is no excuse, the Bible says. You are to honor your father and your mother. Nothing more or nothing less. So it's not just obedience. Parents, we should teach our children to be independent and thrive. And as they grow older, the the need for them to be obedient decreases, apart from when certain family traditions or certain ways that can be honoring to parents. But what is a standard, regardless of your age, is the way we should honor our parents. Why is that? Number two, why should we honor? Is it because we should be grateful for them? Because they're wiser? Because they're less sinful than us? No. You see, the Bible says wisdom comes with spiritual maturity, not age. I've met some people who are elderly but spiritually immature and not particularly wise. So why should we honor? It's important to note the order of the commands. This is really, really important. The first command that comes after prioritizing God, those four commands, is to honor your mother and father. Let's pull this apart a little bit. One of the greatest tragedies of our culture is that children feel like they're an accident or an inconvenience. See, we have a culture where free sex is acceptable. It's actually encouraged. We have apps on our phones. We have uh, websites that encourage one-night stands and just go and have free sex. And the result is this flippancy towards sex and therefore towards parenting. Kids are discarded before they are born and they are discarded after they are born. But here's here's the challenge with all that. The Bible says that we're all planned by God. We're all planned by God. He decided when you were born, to whom you were born, where you were born, what situation you find yourself born in. He decided it. It's not ideal for some. Far from ideal for a few. But it's part of the plan for you. In an ideal and godly world, your parents are God's representatives as you grow up. So that first four commands are about prioritizing God. The first command after that is honor your father and mother. Why? Because the first people who represent God to you in your life are your mother and father. And in an ideal world, they would be good representatives. But even if they are not good representatives, you still honor them because of what they represent. They represent the plan of God on your life. They represent your life. They represent God's plan, God's thoughts towards you. There's an expression called salute the uniform. Have you heard of that? For those people who are in the forces, they may not like the person who's wearing the uniform that is a higher rank than them. They may not even uh, enjoy them. They may not admire them, but you salute the rank. You salute the uniform. You salute what the uniform represents In that particular aspect. So those of you who are struggling with your parents. Start looking at your parents as more about parenthood. And what parenthood represents. That is a plan of God on your life. Because in his wisdom he determined that you exist. And you are brought up by those parents. So you can honor that. That's why God chooses the word honor. So what do we have to do? We have to honor our parents. Why do we have to do it? Because they represent God. 
So before I jump into the practical aspect of how, I just want to talk to parents for a second. And kids, you get to listen in. Not judging, not giving them grades. Just listen in, because one day you'll be parents. I just want to say, parents, my prayer is that you would make it easy for your children to honor you. Make it easy for your children to honor you. You see, if parents are part of God's order for the world, that children have been placed into your care because that's God's plan, that you are to represent Him and all His goodness and all His attributes and all His character as much as we possibly can, we're to represent those to our children because we are part of God's order for the world. Families are part of God's order for the world. And without this order, there is absolute chaos, whether it's at bedtime or on a society level. My son Luke has uh, recently, in the last few months, qualified through a series of different courses, become a referee, uh, a referee of soccer, or the proper name being football, because uh, you use your foot and have a ball. It's quite it's pretty important. Um, so... He, he trained to be a referee, and, and it's been very interesting for him because he's actually qualified to referee adult games. And so he's 15, and, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's, he's that kind of stage. And I, I don't know if he's in the room. I don't want to embarrass him. He's kind of that man-boy stage, you know, that he's kind of my size, but he's still young. And so he turns up, and he's got his uniform on, and, and he's got his flag, and he's got everything that qualifies him to represent a certain order of rules, a certain standard of truth. And so he runs up and down the line or runs around the field and he is the one divvying out the rules and his offside and all these different rules. And as a player, there is freedom to be found amongst these rules, right? Because if you didn't have any rules, you didn't have a referee. Those of you and us who have played in the kind of the, uh, the games just with, with ourselves, maybe we turn up and have a, a five against five football game or a hockey game. If there's no kind of refereeing at all, it's chaos. It's not much fun. I'm just going to play by my own rules. Well, then you don't have a game. It's been interesting for me coming to North America, and certainly as Luke has gotten older and Amber as well played basketball, I would turn up at this foreign game called basketball. I haven't got a clue. In Britain, the closest they have is, is, well, I think basketball is getting popular now, but is netball, and netball is very different from basketball. There's no back plate, Um, so you still have to get the ball in, in in the hoop, but no back plate, and I'm sat there, and I'm thinking, this is just a chaotic game. Now, I know now it's not. It's a, it's a wonderful game, but I used, to, uh, I used to joke around with the parents, tap them on the shoulder and go, excuse me, do you, do you get a point if you hit the rim? Because I'm confused. And, and so all, all my rules were just out the window. It's a good job I wasn't the referee. Sure, throw it. You just pick it up and run with it. I don't care. I'm thinking rugby. Just go for it. It's no game. Players may not like the ref. Isn't that right, Luke? Parents don't like the ref. Okay, parents, if you're one of those parents, you know who you are. Don't yell at the kids on the sideline. They're just doing a job. Players may not like the ref. They think that they, maybe they could do a better job. But you know you need one. And it's worse if there isn't one. There's an order. Parents, you are that 
Forgive me, referee. You are representing an absolute truth to your child. Do not shy away from the responsibility because the result is chaos. They may not like you. They may disagree with you. They may think that you could, they could do a better job than you. But it's far worse if there isn't one. See, God is our creator and he tells us what is right and wrong. And the first representative of that moral order should be parents. Children need somebody to tell them what is right and wrong. Now you might go, Glenn, this is okay for you. I've met your kids. They seem reasonably sane. What you don't know is the hours and hours of heartache and challenge that has, and I'm not saying we're there. Parenting is hard work. But here's what is commonly happening in our culture. And this is a challenge for some of you. Challenge for all of us, but this might hit home for some of you. In our culture, in Kelowna particularly, we have a lot of parents who are seeking to be a friend or a big brother or sister rather than a parent. Because they are so afraid of saying what is right and wrong and no, you can't go and no, you can't do and you must sit there and you must do that. They're afraid because they think they might lose their kids. And what actually happens is you speed up the process of losing your kid. And it's a great challenge because we don't want to upset them. But what happens is the moral order disappears and chaos ensues. Parents, parent your children. Raise your children. Tell them the way in which they should go. Make them independent. Release them towards independence steadily and carefully. Teach them how to thrive. Make their own godly decisions. As they grow up, encourage them to seek God's values that you are representing. Teach the children to eventually not need you. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. This is not wise. This is wise. Go there. Don't go there. Not, well, you can make up your own mind. Be an example to them. And in my ideal, somewhat biblical mind... I think the result of that would be is they will honor you for it. My mom and dad were strict. We had our challenges. You know what? We have our challenges. But one thing that I can look back on amongst many is I can be grateful that they taught me what was right and from what was wrong. And they were resolute in that. And I honor them for that. Children will find it easier to honor you if you teach them to thrive on what is right and wrong and be a parent and not a friend. So let's just very quickly go through how do we honor God? Uh, Sorry, how do we honor our parents and therefore honor God? I think the first thing, very quickly and very simply, I'm going to go through these very quickly, is first thing we need to do with our parents, if we find them difficult to honor, is we need to give them grace and realize That they are sinners just like us. (laughs) That they mess up. They get things wrong. They need forgiveness. That they might be saying right and wrong from their perspective. And you know what? Sometimes it might not be true. It might not be right. But we can honor them and give them grace and freedom to make mistakes. Secondly, give weight to them. The word honor is actually the Hebrew word kabed. And it's a word for honor, and it actually means weight. And what it, 
If you break it apart, it says this, is that you are to treat your parents with weight and significance. That they are to be significant. You treat them significantly. You may not agree with them, but you don't treat them as insignificant. Regardless of their age, regardless of your age, you treat what they say with weight. Because they are God's representatives for many years in your life and will continue to hold you before God in a way that you only understand when you become a parent. Treat what they say with weight. Maybe think about how you can go about your family traditions, giving them the honor and significance that they deserve. Remember, you're honoring God behind them. So maybe for you, that looks like giving them place of honor at a table or remembering and making a big fuss of them at anniversaries or birthdays. Involving them in tradition, speaking respectfully about them and to them, even if they are incredibly difficult to respect. Treat them with weight and honor. Thirdly, give forgiveness. We all know if we do not forgive somebody for something that somebody has done wrong to us, we can fixate on it. And it draws us towards sin. A few years ago, when I was learning to ride a motorcycle, the big thing they kept on telling me all the time is you will go wherever your eyes are. And as you're learning to ride a motorcycle, especially if you're a complete newbie like I was, the first place I wanted to look was just in front of the front wheel. As soon as you lift your eyes, it's amazing. Your body seems to just follow. The motorcycle follows where your eyes go. Unforgiveness is exactly the same. If we continually are looking at the things that parents have done wrong to us, then it will draw us towards sin. It will draw us towards hurt. It will draw us towards bitterness. And so as we forgive them, we're putting our eyes upon Jesus because he forgave you and he forgave me. Forgiveness is a daily decision. And it always means that we have to absorb pain. We have to take on the pain Of the situation. It doesn't just disappear. We take it on. We absorb it. And we have to say. You know what? I can't forget. It's never forgive and forget. That's not true. But I can forgive that. Because I've been forgiven of much. And then there's freedom in that. And you will find that you're able to honor your parents more. As you daily seek a way of forgiving them mentally and in your devotions and spending time with him. Fourthly, you give thanks for them. Seek ways to thank them and honor them and pray for them. Seek creative ways to be thankful to them. Come to God in your own time with him and and think of ways that they served you, your parents. And even if it was just they worked hard, even if they were never there, well, thank you, God, that they worked hard and provided everything I needed. Whatever it is, find some thanks. Even if it is, God, thank you for putting me in that family. Even though it was hurtful, even though it was abusive, even though it was breaking me, thank you, God, that in some way that made me who I am today by your grace. Find something to thank God for. And finally, and most importantly, give priority to the gospel. I want to read a section of scripture as we pull this together that I believe is the greatest example of parenting and being a child in the Bible, in my view. Sums up God's heart as a parent. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Oh, excuse me, verse 17. Verse 17. 
But when he, the son, came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. If you remember this very well-known story, the prodigal son, the son left the family and went and lived a life They were so far removed from where they were. Can I tell you, there are times when you do your very best to bring your kids up and they will still leave. And they will still hurt you. And they will still damage some of the memories and reject you. And this is what this son had done. And then he came to his senses and he came back to his dad. And there's this beautiful underlying image in my mind of the father. And I've said this many times before, but it says that the father saw him from afar off. That tells me that even if the father was on about his on everyday work, he kept a constant eye on the horizon looking for his son. Can I say that you, there is a God, the father, who is constantly seeking and looking who is here today looking into your life, looking into your heart to see whether that by his grace and by his drawing that you are coming to your senses. And can I say that the father would have had to have picked up his robe and run. Now that's an image that at that time would have been very dishonoring. You don't do that as a dad. You don't hitch up your britches at that time and run. He didn't care. He didn't care if there was any shame attached to what he did. His son had returned. There was an unconditional love that was displayed to that kid as he came back to his dad. And can I tell you, there is an unconditional love displayed on the cross every time you think about what Christ did for you. The shame that he endured, it says in Hebrews, for the love and the joy that he had in you. For those of you that are still far off, maybe you're a long way off. Maybe you started the journey back. Maybe just one morning you suddenly thought, you know what? You thought about God. What put that thought in your mind? God himself. Maybe you're just feeling drawn back to him. Can I tell you there is a God, the Father, who loves you unconditionally and is running towards you, ready to wrap his arms around you to kiss you, to be affectionate, to be the dad that so many have never had, to love you, to forgive you, to care for you, to tell you that he's there for you. That's what the cross represents. Jesus Christ lived the life that we're trying to live, this perfect life, sinless life, and died a shame-filled death So that you could have this relationship forgiven and accepted by the Father. This unconditional love, this example that God sets here. As we look at this example as parents, and we look at this example as children, 
This unconditional love. Can I tell you, some parents are better than others at this. But God is perfect. Let me read you a quote from um, a wonderful author called J.I. Packer, Jim Packer. says, there is a tremendous relief in knowing that God's love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in the way I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. What he's saying is this. There is nothing that you have done that stops God loving you. And as parents, we need to show our children unconditional love. And as children, we need to show honor to our parents and to the God behind our parents for his unconditional love to us. This kind of unconditional love is only available in God the Father. It says in Romans 5, 5, his love has been poured out into our hearts. This access to him at any time. That we can have his inheritance. We can be loved and accepted completely. We need to parent like that. We need to be children like that. We need to see God like that. And as we orient ourselves towards the gospel and make it priority, you will find that Honoring your mom and dad, even if it's one of the hardest things you can do, will emerge out of your life. It will naturally come about. And for some of you, if you can love your parents, you can love anybody. If you can honor your parents, you can honor anybody. If you can forgive your parents, you can forgive anybody. And see, God, by his grace and by his gospel, puts us into a place where we're empowered to do that. And there is nothing that the world can offer. No amount of self-help, counseling, or psychiatry can bring you to the point of being able to truly forgive somebody. No amount of yoga stretching, new age, crystal rubbing is going to do it. It's not going to happen. We can forgive because we've been forgiven. We can love because God endured the shame and love does. So South, here's my blessing and my prayer as I finish. May you see God as the loving, caring, affectionate, always available Father that he is. May you represent God the Father well as you seek to parent your children. May you teach your children how to be independent and thrive in Jesus. May you seek ways to honor your mother and father. Seek ways to honor your mother and your father. And as a result, may you live long in this land. Let's pray. Dear God, I am so acutely aware that I speak to such an eclectic group when it comes to experiences with parents. There are some in this room who are still at home and under the care and covering of their mom and dad. And there are many in this room, Lord, who have left, who struggle when it comes to their relationship with mom and dad. Lord, I pray that as we put our eyes upon the cross and what you did for us and how you honored us and and you gave weight 
and significance to what you did for us. And as we are forgiven and as we are loved, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, we would be able to honor our father and our mother in a way that you would be pleased with. And, Lord, I pray for those in the room who really struggle with this. God, I pray there would be peace, that they would find everything they didn't have in their parents in you. Lord, let them hear these words. You're accepted. You're loved. You're cared for. You're blessed. I am merciful. I am patient. I love you. I'm always available to you. I give you good gifts. I'm always there for you. Father, let those promises be strong in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to spend some time just worshiping as the team leaders. And and here's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't just let these words just wash over you, but use this time to, to fix your eyes upon Jesus to think about what he did on the cross and maybe to just whisper some prayers of forgiveness to your mom or dad if you need that or prayers of thankfulness for your mom and dad. Regardless of our age, we have much to be thankful for and much to honor.